millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant. Hey, Em. Hey, Shell. Emily Bowen here, and I'm all about the world of recruitment. Today on the show, we are talking about strengths, why you need to know your strengths, how to figure them out, and what value they create for you in your career. But before we get into it, we want to shout out to our show partner, Rarekind. Rarekind believe there's no limit to how good work can be. They find one-of-a-kind people, the kind of people who don't just fit into culture, but help create create it. But just because they've got a fresh perspective doesn't mean they're new. In fact, they've been in the game a long time. So they've got the creds and the experience to back up what they say. To check out the opportunities they have at the moment, visit rarekind.com.au. You might just find the position you were born for. Okay, Em, so we were brainstorming what do we want to talk about on this week's episode. And a while back, we did an episode on burnout and we talked about this concept of strengths and how strengths influence your career. And so today we're just diving into this space and I would love to kind of kick off and talk through why strengths matter. Do you want to hit us with it? What is Why do strengths matter to you? Strengths matter to me, Shell, because uh, they have so much to do with energy. Energy is something that I'm so passionate about and personally, I just continue to try and work on each day. Sometimes I nail it more than other days. But when you, I, I am a big believer that when you're playing in your strength zone, the energy that you will feel, uh, the level of uh, yes, enthusiasm and, and the way you will move through the world, whether that be at work or in your personal life, will be so much better off and you will be considered so much better at what you do and how you're doing it than if you allow yourself to become drained, which often comes from not working in your strength zone. And if you haven't heard of Gallup, they have some amazing research on strengths and they have a tool called Strengths Finder or the Clifton Strengths Finder, which has come out of a lot of research. And one of the things that they say, and I'm going to read it because um, it's really, it's a great piece of research. And they say people are six times as likely to be engaged in their jobs when they get to work in their strengths. And I love your point, Em, about energy. Like strengths, when you're working in that zone of things that you are really good at, you're more engaged, you're more energized, you're creating more value. And it's really interesting because the more I'm talking to people about this whole space and their careers, the more I'm finding people don't seem to know what their strengths are. Well, yeah, I guess not. And and we'll talk a little bit more about weaknesses as the flip side. But if I can call it out early... I dare say we feel like we have a better understanding of what our weaknesses are. And so it is an interesting thing to consider. 
what I would encourage people to do, I mean, we'll talk again, another thing we'll talk about later is how to work out your strengths. But as you're listening to the first part of this conversation, in the back of your mind, start to ponder what you like. Because the other thing I will say, Shell, is not only do does playing in our strength zone typically bring us more energy, but there's also a, a correlation between our strengths and what we enjoy doing. And typically those things come hand in hand. And such a good point, Em, about weaknesses. So I think... I don't know what it is, but is it human nature? I'm not sure. Where we try and focus, it's certainly something I do, try and focus on what's wrong, what's not working and solving the problem. So I would naturally be drawn to what's the weakness, what's the what's the failure point and how do I fix that as opposed to what's working well, what am I good at, what, where am I succeeding? I dare say you're correct. So if we think about human nature, our brains have not developed much since caveman times and in caveman times and now, the main reason that our, or I guess the primary focus, I should say, of our brains is to look for danger. And so if we think of, uh, you just you just rattled off some words there like problem, you know, what could go wrong? Uh, what are our weaknesses? We're essentially saying that we're alert to danger. We're alert to issues or challenges that could come up and we're constantly scanning our environment, ready to react, ready to respond, ready to try and fix that thing or avoid it. Yeah, and that's it. This is trying to almost mitigate those risks. And so the reason why we want to talk about strengths though is because when you're in that zone, you're getting more done, you're more productive, you're more energised. What we're not saying is um, to ignore the weaknesses altogether, but we want to say that when you focus on developing your weaknesses to become, say, let's say more well-rounded as a professional, well, you might get from, let's say, 30% uh, success rate to 50%, but you don't necessarily go to that high performance zone. Whereas when you're working on your strengths and you're actually developing the strengths out, let's say, maybe you've got a strength and you're, you're pretty good at it. If you work on it more and more, you could get to that expert, high performance, really highly skilled and there's a huge jump in opportunities that comes with that. Whereas I think what tends to happen is we really hone in and focus on the areas we're not good and try and just get them to like a mediocre level. And I don't think that's where our value is when it comes to careers. Well, I guess we've got that logic of I'm already pretty good at public speaking, but I'm not as good at organising my time. So I need to go and find some skills and some techniques that help me organise my time better because I can ignore public speaking. I'm already good at that. So let me just, if I focus on organising my time better, then I'll overall be better at what I do. When in fact, as you said, Shell, moving, organising your time from 30 to 50% and the impact that that will have on you reaching your goals versus moving your public speaking capability from say 70 to 90%, like if we're at the 90% mark on something, yeah. everything else starts to fall away. You know, it becomes noise and it becomes a space that you're putting energy into that's not actually really going to push you as far. I um, <laughs> I, It reminds me of back when I was in high school and um, my last maths test I got, have I told you this? No. Oh, my my last maths test that I ever did, I got like 14%. Did you turn up? <laughs> I was there. <laughs> Just like wrote your name. I pretty much. I, I, and it was so funny. It was like multiple choice. Oh, and I, I, I shouldn't laugh. 
No, laugh. You tried, right? I, I tried, obviously. Yeah. So points for trying. <laughs> points for trying. I um, yeah, and I realized. Well, I'm terrible at this, and I dropped it. And I only focused on the things that I was good at, which was all the kind of creative subjects I did, like drama, art, all those things. And my HSC, I did really well in my HSC, and partly it's because I saw. I'm not going to do any of the subjects that I'm bad at and I'm only going to do the things that I'm really good at. And obviously there's a really like, as a really young person, there is a lot of wisdom in that. The funny thing, <laughs> the funny thing is that this problem and this like gap in my skill set reset, <laughs> it re- I'm laughing because I find it really humorous and I remember talking to the finance team that I worked with uh, about this issue because the problem resurfaced M later in my career when I started to have to manage payroll teams. Oh, dear. And so, like, I was... Uh, good if you're making pay mistakes where everyone's getting paid more, maybe. Maybe not good. But like, Depends how you look at it. So, I was overseeing payroll and I remember saying to uh, the accountant that I worked with, um, he, he's like, gee, you're not very good at maths, are you? And I'm like, okay, here's the deal. Like, found out. Found out, totally. I dropped out of maths in year 10. I'm like, never... I'm terrible at maths. Anyway, I realized this is a weakness. It's not, and I don't, I'm not passionate about it. I'm not that an analytical, you know, thinker. I'm not going to be a mathematician in my career, but I realized I do need to have a base level of knowledge. So what I did was I invested in some coaching sessions with the CFO at the time. He really helped me get to a proficiency level where I was working around, essentially I was working around my weakness. I wasn't um, trying to upskill to get to like this awesome level. I was just acknowledging this is a gap. I'm actually really good at other things and really talented in other areas that are essential to my role. This part, I just have to be proficient and I have to have the supports in place to work around my weakness and to manage the weakness, not to spend all this energy investing in it. And my boss, she was so good and because she's like, oh, we're strengths-based. I don't expect you to be really good in this area, but I do expect you to be good in the areas that are of you, that are your inherent strengths. And so having that, I suppose, perspective of let's really leverage the strengths, let's focus on those, let's really push and grow and develop and let's manage the weaknesses and sometimes work around the weaknesses. So if I can tease a few things out there, because I love this story and I think it demonstrates so well, probably better than we already tried to, some of these concepts. When I hear you talk about, so you were responsible for managing the payroll team, your goal was not to be the most proficient payroll person. Your goal, and I, I guess as I'm hearing you speak, I would dare say the goal of your boss was for you to be the best people leader of that team and bring out the best culture in that team. And so you and your boss have identified you're the right person for the role if you play to your strengths, which are around relationships, leadership, communication, and really dialing up the positive culture piece. If you tried to be the most proficient payroll person in order to achieve that goal, Oh, look, I'm just going to take a stab. I think you might have not met that goal. I don't think you would have got there. <laughs> I would have been totally underperforming. Totally. And either would have quit or been fired, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. And so what I love is that your boss has reminded you, Shell, here's the goal. And that actually lines up better with your strengths than it does with your weakness. So just stay true to that. 
And if I can rewind even further, because again, this is where I probably feel like you've just done a better job of teasing out a concept than we did earlier than this story. And that is back in high school, when we were asked to select, uh, you know, our 10 units, so our five subjects, if you're in New South Wales, this is how it works, not sure about elsewhere, but go with me, it will still make sense. So we pick five subjects. And I agree with you. I remember the uh, without really having the wisdom perhaps that we do now, I remember picking the five subjects that, well, I enjoyed, but also I knew I was good at because I knew that that gave me a higher chance of my average score at the end of it being higher than if I tried to have one or two subjects in there that I wasn't as good at. And so I guess it's that law of averages as well. If we play to our top five strengths then on average, we're going to be better at what we do and we're going to actually have a higher chance of reaching our goals than if we weight ourselves down by including one of our weaknesses just because we think we need to learn more about that. And it's interesting, we're as 16-year-olds, you're kind of using and applying some of that logic, but sometimes in our careers, we don't apply the same thing. So we're not thinking about our job that with that level of, oh, I at the end of the day, if I'm working primarily in my strengths, I'm going to be performing better. I'm going to be happier. I'm going to be doing meaningful work. And what we want is for you to have this critical critical lens and reflect on how much of this job is playing to my strengths. How much of this job is energizing me, is bringing me life and giving me value? Because if you're drained and depleted all the time, well, I'd suggest you're not working in your strength zone and to do that reflection. And it brings to me this idea of smarter, not harder. So if I can reflect on my own schooling experience, I also remember saying to people at the time in regards to maths, funnily enough, I wasn't too bad at maths. I wasn't, you know, the, the top of the class, so to <laughs> speak, across my year, but no, <laughs> I wasn't getting 14%. And so I, I remember there was uh, the, the sort of like, three unit total like maths whiz class and they did all this stuff that looked like another language and I reckon I could have probably pedaled pretty hard so I didn't fail that class but I remember saying to people and because people would say to me you know why don't you do three unit maths and I remember my response was if I did three unit maths I reckon I would get by but I would sit at the bottom of those you know 30 people in that class from our year group what I'd prefer to do is do two unit maths and come first in the class at my school because it means that I kind of know where my sweet spot is and I'll apply this sort of natural ability that I've got and feel good at it, but I'll know when to tap out. And in the workforce, it's like, I think I still know those limits where I go, okay, I didn't go and become an accountant probably for that reason. But I'll play, you know, I'll play up that financial understanding, that ability to apply maths to a point, and then I'll go, right, someone else knows more than me. How can I just use that support system around me, like you've said, Shell, to help me extend even further? Yeah, I love the idea of weakness workarounds. Yeah. Like how can we have a whole bunch of weakness workarounds and then just focus on leveraging our strengths? Yeah. And then have other people come to us when they know that perhaps there's something that's a more easy strength for us than it is for them. Yeah. And that's such a good question to ask. And we really need to dig into that. So hold that thought okay. for when we get into to, um, discovering how to discover your strengths. But let's before we go there, let's talk about what are 
strengths. So we've used Gallup's definition, which I love, and that is talent times investment equals strengths. So talent being a natural way of thinking, feeling or behaving times investment. So time spent on practicing or developing your skills and building your knowledge base. That's what equals strength. That definition is really helpful because what they're saying is how you can turn your talents into strengths, but you have to invest in them. So you have to really leverage those those natural abilities that you might have by I'm going to practice. So the public speaking one, the more you actually do that, the better you become, the more investment you intentionally make is what enables that to be a strength. I guess an easy way for some of us to think about this is is sport. Like when you're young and you go, oh, that person just, they just make it look so easy to kick a ball. We could also think about when you look at a kid's drawing or even now as adults and we try and draw something and you look over at the person next to you and just think, how do they make that look so easy? Like I am looking at what I have drawn in front of me and I barely even know what it is. And this person next to me just effortlessly makes it look amazing. And for me, that that is my visualization of what that natural talent is. But I can also see how the progression would come as you apply that that development practice and that skills develop like technique sort of uh, focus as well. So how do we work out our strengths? And Em, I'd love to hear your perspective. How how do you find or figure out your own strengths, and how have you helped other people? I'm reflecting on you know when you're in a recruitment process, right? And I've had the luxury of sitting on the interviewer's side of the table and I'll be doing my best to get to know someone. And whenever you ask a person, particularly when they're in interview mode, to tell you what it is that they do really well, usually what happens more often than not is they clam up they get all, you know, the body language changes. You sort of see them withdraw and become a bit shy and um, perhaps giggly because they're going, oh, I don't really like talking about myself. Oh, I don't really know. Oh, I don't really know what I'm good at. And so instead, the way that I'll try and ask people is to say something along the lines of, if I was to go and talk to your peers the people at work who know you best, who you work really closely with, what would they say it's like to work with you? And then I'll ask some follow-up questions like, what is that thing that people come to you for? What are you known for in your organisation? What feedback do you receive from other people in regards to what you're really good at? And often if we try and put ourselves in, I guess, that mode of, oh, well, we're just repeating the nice things that other people have said, or we're actually properly opening our ears up to what praise and what identi- you know what other people identify as us being known for or good at, then they can give some really nice clues to what your strengths are. And I think listening, it does take that intentional thing of listening to what people are asking you for. So pausing and going back and thinking, over my work life, when people have approached me, and I love that example, Em, of what do people come to you for? when they're asking me for help, what's the theme? Mm. So the theme for me personally, I know people come to me all the time and ask me to solve complex people problems. And really what they're asking for is they don't know how to diagnose a problem and they want help diagnosing it. And then I've learned that that's the theme. So my strength is is in 
diagnosing root, root causes of issues and helping people navigate their way out of it. And once you come to understand what those strength areas are, you can really work on maximizing your opportunity and exposure to that. So how do you put yourself in more environments where you get to demonstrate that strength? Because that creates those opportunities for progression and it creates those opportunities for promotion because you're working in areas of your sweet spot. And we talk about personal brand from time to time. We've done at least one, maybe two episodes on that. I think we've got another one coming up. And there's this overlap when you start to understand what your strengths are and you can put that into a few words you then promote it. So you then include it as part of part of your personal brand. You include it when you're asked that dreaded question at interview. The other thing though that I've done a lot of in my time in helping myself identify strengths but also with the teams that I've been a part of is like personality tests or psychometric assessments which a lot of people might have heard of. Often they are a part of the recruitment process and they're used as a selection tool to check does this person's strengths align to the role? and what we, we believe as an organisation that role needs in order to meet its outcomes and, and achieve the goals. But it can also be a development practice as well when you're in a business that you might have been a part of this. So I would throw that out there, Shell, is probably the, the second thing that I've seen be really useful in that strengths identification process. And there's a few free personality tests out there. So jump on, Google it after this episode, have a look around the one that we both love that's really simple and straightforward is the Gallup Strengths Finder um, test. It does cost, but it, I think it's worth it just to understand, okay, well, here are your top five strengths that you bring. And then you look at those strengths against your role and you start to really understand, okay, well, if my strength is in communication, but I'm in a role where I'm a total individual contributor and it's it's got no communication aspects to it, well, then that's going to be a struggle. And how do you actually get the data to help you then assess how do my strengths align and fit with the role that I'm doing? And that word struggle is, is a good one to call out because when we talk about flow, we usually feel most in flow when we're doing those things that come more easily to us, like our na- playing on our natural talents, but we're practicing those with the right dose of stretch which is around that development piece, which then equals strengths. And it's really interesting as well, before we move into really digging into how you evaluate your strengths against your role, I've been thinking about this idea of strengths, blind spots. So we have blind spots when it comes to our weaknesses. So sometimes we need people to help us. uh, And usually your closest people to you know your blind spots far better than you will. But we also have strengths blind spots. So some of the things I've found myself saying over the years have been, oh, I'm not very good at that. And someone will come and say, no, no, you are good at that. Like, what are you talking about? And I've realised, oh, that's a strength blind spot for me, obviously. And if you're listening right now, the chances are you have blind spots about your own strengths. So go and ask people what they think your strengths are. So is this a bit like how I'm convinced that I'm actually like Olympic standard in something? I've just never tried it before. Um, well, that could be like a little bit of a delusion blind spot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm not giving up hope yet, Uh, but it's an interesting concept because this idea of strength blind spots, like I'm just rattling, it's probably a newer concept to me. So I'm pondering it with you guys and I'm thinking, how do you know you're not, how do you know that's not a strength for you? What is it that you've, you know, what experiences have you had or not had, or how have you not realized that actually 
you're good at that. Well, so one example, I'll tell you an example for me. And it's funny because I, I should have remembered this, but I didn't. And I was off on parental leave with Bowie, so second time around. And I had worked in, I've worked in HR for 10 years. So HR is like, for me, what I'd been doing is very, like very routine, I would say, and like lots of complex people problems, but I was just in this kind of rhythm and routine and I didn't have any creative outlet at all. Mm-hmm. And I went off on parental leave and I was like, oh, I'm going to, have I, ta- have we talked about this before? A little bit. We've touched on okay. it. Yeah. And I know you started muralling the wall at your house yeah. and different things popping up on Instagram. I'm like, this girl is and like. I realized like I'd had this 10 years working in a corporate office environment that probably had sucked a lot of the creativity out of me because I was just in like work mode nonstop. And I paused and I painted this massive mural, two big murals at my house like, and I realised, oh, I'm, I'm creative, mm. but I haven't been working in – I haven't remembered that. And when I think about what I was like as I was younger, I was much more creative. And I think it became this strength blind spot and a few of my family members were like, of course you're creative, but you've just forgotten or you just haven't worked in and leveraged any of those strengths for a while. And remembering that we're talking – uh, talent plus, hang on, let me remember what your definition was. Talent investment, times yeah. investment equals strength. So can you tell us, Shell, were you a bit rusty when you picked yes. up the paintbrush? And that it took, a, it was a huge process actually. Like I think it was like a, like three full weeks of like planning out this thing. And I was definitely rusty and there was heaps of like messy mistakes. But I, I just am thinking that there's obviously natural talent there, but it was how do you spend time doing that and so for me I obviously hadn't done anything in that space for ages but now that I've spent time and been building the muscle I'm finding that creativity is coming a lot more easily to me now than it was two years ago. And I can guarantee to everybody listening that there is talent there because she was totally that person sitting next to you making it look easy when you see these murals and you just go how did you think of that how did you think to put those colors together and they just look so good and that for me is like, okay, you've been off the tools. You haven't been investing for years in keeping that muscle strong. And yet you can still pick up a paintbrush and pretty quickly, you know, whip something up from us outsiders looking in, whip something up and it just looks awesome. So I say all that to encourage you, find the blind spots, find the things that maybe a few years back you really loved doing, but you've forgotten because you've been in a role that hasn't enabled you to do it ask people, get feedback, ask, hey, what are the things that you think I'm good at that maybe I'm not doing at the moment? Here's one for you and maybe you can help me just work through this live. So I love and am really naturally quite good at like managing calendars. Like I just give me 17 people that need to be in the room at the same time with a few extra little like curve balls and I I will make it happen and I will love every moment of it. I'm just really good at it. And yet now probably one of my challenges is that's not part of my role. And so that's been a real, I know it sounds like such a tiny little like, why would you even want to do that? But it's almost like this guilty pleasure that I get a kick out of because the more I was doing it in my role in years gone by, the better I got at it. But I always knew that I just had a knack for it beyond, you know, others. And yeah, now it's not part of my role. So I'm like, oh. Uh, Okay. So I'd ask you then. What is the essence of that? Good question. So what, because it's, I don't, to me it's not about organising calendars. What is the, at the root of that that you enjoy? Yeah, I knew I was going to get myself into trouble here. Uh, 
I feel like it's it's almost like I, I don't know. I like doing like those. Um, it's like the puzzle. Like it's like because uh. I can think about it. I actually really like doing crosswords or um, is it Sudoku and those sorts of puzzles where you've got to make it fit or it's kind of like that brain teaser. I actually really like those. So I think this probably isn't directly answering a question and I need to like go away and think about it, which is awesome because you've given me food for thought. But for me, it probably tunes into that part of my brain. And so you're right. I've just got to find out, well, um, I'm jumping ahead here, but what is it in my current role and in future roles that tap into that? enjoyment in brain teaser kind of problems because I think the calendar example is a good one of that's that's usually um in an indicator the example is an indicator of a strength and maybe you're not getting to use that strength so if Mm. it is it solving is it doing things that other people find to be really challenging because honestly that to me what you're describing that's like my worst nightmare like fiddling around with bazillion people's calendars I'm like oh please no but what what is what is at the at the core of it and so coming back to when you're when you're feeling energized in a task because the task for you is the calendar think about tasks you do regularly that give you energy and then try to drill into well what's at the core or the heart of that because that's where you find and uncover what the strength is yeah awesome thank you Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we've created a bunch of different podcasts. So go and check out My Millennial Money, My Millennial Money Express, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and Gen Z Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The other only final thing I'll say about discovering your strengths is think about if you're doing uh, an activity and time goes really quickly and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, it's nine o'clock at night and I've been doing this for five hours, that'll be a strength area. It'll be something that you love, that you're passionate about. All right. Okay. Um, how do we assess our strengths against our role? How do you do that? Oh, you really are hitting me with the hard ones. So I guess again, like my recruiter hat just appears on my head and There's something, so I'm a big believer in there are many ways to skin the cat, which is a horrible term and I'm a total cat lady, so I shouldn't say that. I need another (laughs) phrase. (laughs) So violent. But uh, even though through a recruitment process, as I touched on earlier, we have a keen interest in understanding someone's strengths. It's my belief that it's just as important to keep an open mind to the fact that the problems that need to be solved in a role the goals that need to be met can be done so in a few different ways. So your payroll manager example, it's like, sure, on paper, you might be looking at Shell's resume going, where is the obvious, where, how is she an obvious choice to run the payroll team? And that's where you need to dive deeper. But also, given that for most of us, we will fit somewhere on a spectrum between being people-focused and task-focused, 
There's also some interplay there in regards to how do you fit a person to a role in understanding their strengths. And so I'm doing a little bit of rambling work here, I guess, just to bring you along on the ride of the way that I think about this. And there are absolutely some limits. But what I try and firstly keep an open mind to, as I say, is the fact that different strengths can be applied in order to meet the requirements of a role. And first and foremost, like I'm interested in somebody's self-awareness about what their strengths are. And then I'm interested in having them talk to, so again, I've still got my recruiter hat on, having them talk to how they would play up those strengths in order to meet the goals of that position. So I know this is probably a little bit of a vague answer, but that's kind of where I'm starting if I'm thinking about what does the role require versus, you know, who am I assessing for it? It becomes a little bit different when you're talking about perhaps, um, for example, like if it's an engineering role and you need someone to really practically have an engineering degree and the skills that come with that. I'm also thinking about, I remember talking to, um, someone and helping them with a bit of career coaching they were working in a call center and they were a really creative strategic thinker but their role was very rigid so every minute of the day was monitored and they were really good at it like they were actually they were really high performing operator but they hated hated the job and we looked and went back and looked at their strengths and there was a few strength areas around Um, influence, that they wanted to have influence, that they were really strategic and wanted to be able to think about the big picture, but they were always in micro tasks. Mm. And just although she was performing really well, she was completely disengaged because she never got to use those things she was good at. And I think what we came to was, all right, well, we need to put a timeline on this role. So let's give yourself, like, she was at the end of her timeline already, I would have said but she didn't identify it soon enough. So we gave her, hey, three months, we need to start looking for new opportunities. And she quickly went through that journey of, okay, well, I need to find roles that really leverage my strategic thinking, that really leverage the ability to influence. And she found this new opportunity in communications, actually, she moved across into a different zone. And I think that is such a great example of look at the position description, if there is one available to you, and then look at the areas that you're strong in and work out, well, how, what, as a percentage, how much am I using my strengths in this role? So for her, it would have been like 25%. Um, she was on the phones, she was communicating really well to customers but everything else was really um, systematic and, and routine and there wasn't that ability to flex or scope up. So look at your role, assess it against the strengths and if just gauge how you're feeling. If you're feeling continually depleted, then ask yourself why that is. And sometimes just getting the notepad out, writing it down, looking at those two things against each other can really help to illuminate some of the challenges. Once we've identified our strengths and we've then done that sanity check against our role, you know, are we actually using, are we playing in the right space? Are we using our strengths to their full advantage and most of the time so we stay energised? Something we both advocate for here, advocate for here is making sure that people know about it. And that can, again, whether it's in a recruitment process or it's in a, in a review meeting or it's just in your day-to-day at work, can be so uncomfortable. We're so much more, oddly, so much more comfortable talking about what we think we're not good at than how we 
uh, when we feel like we need to talk about what we are good at. And so often we will avoid it, we will downplay it, or if somebody else tries to tell us what it is, we'll just sort of brush it off and not want to make a fuss. And yet what we want to do is just spend a little bit of time now giving you the confidence to actually go out and have that that conversation or that moment with people around you or on LinkedIn where you actually spruik your strengths now that you know what they are. And being confident in your strengths is not being arrogant. Correct. I agree completely. It's really important to differentiate. And that's, I think, why people don't like talking about them because they don't want to come across as arrogant. But (laughs) someone needs to hear today, you're not being arrogant if you talk about your strengths. You're actually being honest and And authentic. Funnily enough, people around you probably already know what your strengths are because they've seen you demonstrate how you're good at them. And so when you do casually throw into conversation, uh, oh, I'd love to have a go at that. I actually think that that would fit really nicely with my strength in X, Y, Z. Or, oh yeah, I love that stuff. And actually, I think I'm pretty good at it. So I'd love to have a go. Give it here. The person who you're speaking to or the people around you that are hearing you, I guarantee they're already going to know that about you, whether you've told them before or not. I remember actually the episode we did with Matt Church and he spoke about some of his strengths. So I loved hearing how he talked about it and it was full of humility, but confidence. And I think the beautiful thing about when you're humble is humility isn't about lack of confidence. Actually, those things go hand in hand. And so go back and listen and see if you can find the moments where he talks about his strengths because he does it so beautifully. And the amazing thing about him, oh my gosh, that was such a good conversation. He also calls out the strength in others. He d- he actually did, didn't he? I think we ended up with a few different oh, um, pump me up moments for amazing? each of us out of that. So one of the things you can do as well, advocate for your strengths. Don't be shy about telling them, but call them out in other people. Yeah, absolutely. Get comfortable with talking about strengths in general and then also applying that to yourself. Totally. The last area we want to talk about, and I guess it's kind of the cautionary side of strengths, is watching out for your overplayed strength. And Em, I've heard you talk about this. You've mentioned it on the podcast and and just me and you chatting as we do. Talk to us about this whole overplayed strength. Yeah, I was first introduced to overplayed strengths through Hogan. So we've mentioned Gallup. Hogan is another provider of psychometric and personality assessments. And that's a product that I really came to know and love. They call overplayed strengths derailers. And it's this idea that if you do overplay a strength, it is going to be at risk of derailing your career or your relationships. So let me explain. I like to think of it as too much of a good thing. A strength is amazing as long as you keep it in check. For example, some of us, maybe some friends of mine, have a perfectionistic tendency. <laughs> and it's all right, shall we hold hands? We're here together. But what can happen is when you have somebody who has a perfectionistic tendency as a strength, then we could call it conscientiousness. We could call it attention to detail. And you need one of those people on your team because we're not all that person. What can also happen though is when that person with that perfectionistic tendency starts to move beyond playing in their strength zone and they start to feel the pressure, so something might be happening where there's a deadline looming, the workload is unmanageable, there's been a big change in their life outside of work and they're starting to feel the world closing in on them is they can start to develop signs like 
micromanaging, being overly attentive to detail that actually has no material impact on the outcome or goal. Or they might start to get way too concerned with quality to the point that nobody else's work is good enough and only their own will do. And as you've probably started to hypothesize, when you're playing in that place of an overplayed strength and you're becoming micromanaging, you're becoming overly concerned with quality and you're basically sending a message to the people around you that says your work's not good enough, as I said, that can be quite damaging to your relationships because you're going to not really give out good vibes. Or it could also, if that, uh, I guess, sort of uh, behaviour was sustained over time, it could also derail your career if it becomes the reputation that you are a micromanager. It's a really, <laughs> it's a really great example and probably like it's something I need to go back and listen to again and again. <laughs> the dark side of conscientiousness or the dark side of like responsibility as a strength. I'm interested even when just hearing you talk that through about how do you find what the overplayed strength looks like? So if you are thinking through, okay, well, now we've figured out our strengths, we've discovered the things that we're good at and I need to go and look at, okay, well, what at, at best this strength looks like this, at worst it looks like this, go and talk to your, if you have a coach, if you have a mentor or your boss and really start to unpack when I'm in a healthy zone, leveraging the strength, what does it look like? And then ask when I'm not in my like healthy zone or I'm in a like high stress mode, what are you seeing at work? And actually asking those questions is a really good way to get feedback instead of sitting across the table from someone saying, hey, do you have any feedback for me? Being really specific and going, when you see me under stress and I'm operating in high responsibility or conscientious mode, what are you seeing at play? They'll be able to give you those indicators of your overplayed strength or what I would say the dark side of your strength is. And then you can start to almost identify in yourself when you're moving into that zone and start to pull back from it, which is again, developing the strength. It's actually developing that muscle. Absolutely. And it's it's developing your ability to remain in control of it so that you are actually the one that is choosing when to dial it up, but not too much, and when to dial it back. A couple of other examples is food for thought because these do all sit on a spectrum from healthy to unhealthy. And for every strength that you have, there will be some sort of dark side to that. So absolutely, as Shell said, we encourage you to go away and do some investigation self-reflection. Two more examples though to give you food for thought. One is if you are somebody who is described as ambitious and driven, amazing. Like props to you, love it, go forth. However, if you start to overplay that, what that could look like is ruthless ambition. Like a do or die mentality, nobody gets in your way, you first ahead of the team. And that unfortunately, while you might find that you get a win in the short term, ultimately will be an undoing for you reputationally and in your career and relationships. The second and final one that I'll add is a spectrum between scepticism and cynicism. So we love skeptics. Skeptics are the people that look at something and do not believe that it's just what it is seems on face value. They actually ask challenging questions. They think about what could go wrong. They consider, yeah, I totally appreciate this for the merit that is good about it. But I also wonder, 
can we question this, this and this? Because just it doesn't matter that we've always done it this way. Is there a way we could do it better? When that becomes unhealthy, it looks like cynicism. And that is somebody who feels like the world is out to get them. They're looking for the worst in every situation. They're not trusting and they feel as though and start to think in terms of like manipulation. Those examples are so good, Em. And you, I think that's a really helpful place for us to end this conversation of going, figure out your strengths, be working in them, aim for 70%. We want you to be working in a job where you're using your strengths about 70% of the time. That's where you're going to be at your optimum peak performance in your job, but you'll also be happy and engaged and be having heaps of fun, which is equally, if not more important than Fun is number one. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then we go from there. Yeah. So go and do this work, listen back, write some notes, and then do the final step at the end of working out what does the overplayed strength look like and how do you set some boundaries in place to, like you said, M, dial it up or dial it back such a good conversation. I feel like I want to go down away now and write down what I think my strengths are and how I communicate them eloquently because this is just such a good step in our career and such a good thing for us to do. Yeah, it's been wonderful. Love this topic idea, which is credit to you and can't wait to hear how people get on in their own strengths discovery. Awesome. Well, thanks for hanging out. And if you enjoy the show, please, 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 please give us a five-star rating and review because that helps us get the podcast out there and get more episodes in your ears. Thank you so much. Yes. Speak to you soon. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we've created a bunch of different podcasts. So go and check out My Millennial Money, My Millennial Money Express, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and Gen Z Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week, you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.